0: Up to $100. Just visit slash Play100 and use code Play100. That's code Play100 at slash Play100 for a first deposit match up to a $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Q's podcast covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football.
1: Today on the Juice on the Qs podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a resurgence for the Syracuse lacrosse team and uncertainty for Orange Hoops. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is Syracuse lacrosse goalie Dominic LaMolinara. Dominic had three saves in Syracuse's 10-8 win over Binghamton on Wednesday. Syracuse has won two in a row now. Dominic, thanks so much for coming on today.
2: No, not a problem at all. I appreciate it.
1: Dominic, I wanted to start you off on this one. How important of a win was that over Binghamton on Wednesday to keep that momentum alive, especially after a dramatic win over Notre Dame?
2: I mean, it was huge. We had a short week going into it. Uh, we had the day off after Notre Dame, uh, and then just uh, the two days to prepare for Binghamton. And uh, I think, like last year, we would go into short week games like that against uh, some teams we were expected to beat, and we had some trouble with them. So uh, definitely coming out with the win was big for us. You know, it's uh, showing that we're improving from last year. And like you said, it's keeping our momentum going.
1: So what's the team's state of mind right now? You know, you've won two in a row. You've got some momentum going with you. Is it total optimism? Is it cautious optimism? Where you guys stand right now?
2: Uh, I think it's definitely optimistic. Uh, we're only looking at it one game at a time. Obviously, we got Cornell coming up next week, uh, number one team in the country undefeated. So if uh, if we play the way that we've been playing the past couple of weeks, you know, um, after Duke, then I think that we could uh, su- surprise some people. And, you know, al- always getting – a a win against the number one team especially when it's a rival like Cornell would be huge for us going on uh, down the stretch so uh, you know we're, we're trying to keep the energy up like we've had the week going into uh, the Notre Dame game I think you saw it on the sidelines just how uh, energetic everybody was and I think that's a key to our success so uh, if we can keep everybody uh, interested you know energized in practice like I've said then I think we'll be fine
1: you mentioned Duke and I think that uh, you know if you look back on it in hindsight after the year that may be the turning point in your season you know, after that disappointing loss, uh, you know, you guys had a team meeting, and uh, you know, everything kind of got better after that. What was discussed in that meeting?
2: Uh, it was it was gut check time. Uh, <clears throat> we had to decide whether we wanted to be one of those Syracuse teams. I think it was my sophomore year, two years ago, that you know just barely squeaks into the tournament, right around 500. You know, you have an away home or a first round away game in the playoffs, and uh, nobody wanted that. You know, it's our it's our senior year, it's our team. That's what we uh, that's what we talked about. <clears throat> And um, we decided the energy had been down in practice, you know. Uh, I think it was a little bit of a mixture of, um, you know, not having enough competition during the drills. You know, we were just trying to get through them individually. And uh, we started, you know, keeping score, offense versus defense. We started chirping each other. And I think that uh, carried over to the Notre Dame game. You know, we were, we were competing so hard in practice that when we finally got to see a different colored jersey, everybody <laughs> was, was psyched. So uh, it felt like the first week of uh, practice all over again. And I think, um, you know, coming out with that, would that adds a little bit of uh, motivation to play somebody else help.
1: You know, the one big thing that everyone noticed in that Notre Dame game was the improvement in the face-off situation. And that uh, that stayed true to form after the first quarter in the Binghamton game. I'm just wondering if it's a co- – is, is it a question of technique? Is it a question of confidence? What is it for Chris that makes it so important?
2: Um, well, I, he's not an overly confident kid. I think, um, you know, he, he puts a lot of pressure on himself. Um, you know, it's something that uh, in practice we don't see. Uh, he dominates base every day in practice. Uh, he's definitely a number one guy, and that's why he keeps going out there week after week. Um, he's one of the best in shape guys on the team, so it's not a matter of that. It's, um, I think it's, uh, it's a little bit of a mixture of you know just getting on the same page with the wings. Um, I think what we saw in the past two weeks is Pete McCartney and Henry Schoonmaker coming in and scooing up all those ground balls. Uh, so as long as Daddyo makes it a 50-50 ground ball, you know he doesn't need to pop it out. And, Get it to himself. He's uh, he's got two great wings on the side. So I think it's uh, if we can turn into a three on three as opposed to a one on one, you know, at the faceoff x, then uh, we're going to have a lot more success.
1: You know, you just mentioned the ground ball game, and then you know the defense has been a lot better in the last two weeks. The clear game has been a lot better in the last two weeks. Um, It it seems like everything's starting to come together. And obviously, you and Bobby have been great behind the the, uh, in front of the net. Yeah,
2: I mean it's, um, it's. like we said, it was a gut check after Duke that I think really put us put us into uh, the, the site that we are right now. Um, you know, it's getting a win against Notre Dame. Uh, I think last year we had a, a lot of success defensively. We held them to seven goals in two games and like you said, we've we've improved. So beating a team like that, you know, shutting down Kavanaugh, I think he had seven goals uh, the game before us. So uh, you know, just having guys like Mullins, Harris communicating down low, shutting people down, and then Sean Young, you know, I think he's in a lot better shape this year than he was last year. So He's uh, he's being able to transition more into a cover guy than just a crease guy, and uh, I think you know that's where it starts. Um, we're making more stops than we were, and like you said, our clearing game's gotten a lot better. And uh, I think our offense was always a strong point of this team. So if we can get them the ball more, like we've been doing the past couple weeks, uh, I think we can beat anybody. And uh, you know that's the mentality that we're going into with every single game. And uh, I guess we'll see it on Tuesday against the number one team in the country.
1: You know, your mentality. Uh, it has your mentality changed you know, because of the, the goalie situation. You know, obviously you're starting the games and then sometimes Bobby Wardwell is finishing them. Does that change your approach in the way you prepare and the way you approach a game?
2: Uh, no, I don't think my preparation has changed since I got here. Uh, I, came he- I came to Syracuse just to win a national championship. Um, you know, my time at Maryland put me in a mindset where I didn't think I was ever going to play. I didn't think I was good enough to play at the Division One level. Um, so, you know, coming in here, just playing my game like I've been, and getting a chance is, you know, it's, it's all I ever wanted. So uh, being able to take advantage of that uh, is a great feeling for me. Um, Bob's a great goalie so the fact that he and I are splitting time is great. You know, he's one of my best friends on the team as well. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, obviously I like to play every game, but at the same time going over the sidelines and, you know, staying with, uh, with other teammates of mine, watching one of my good friends play and do very well, is, uh, it's a great feeling. And I think it works right now. I'm, I'm preparing for a first half. Um, ready to go in for the whole game if need be, but, you know, I feel more than confident stepping aside and letting Bob take over. So I think uh, halftime when we make those adjustments, I'm talking to Bob, I let him know what I'm seeing, and he's he's soaking all that information up. And I think that's a testament to just how close we are. You know, if, if there was a little bit of animosity between the two of us, he wouldn't be, you know, taking my advice. He wouldn't be trusting what I'm telling him. And the fact that he is, I think, shows, you know, a lot about who he is as a person. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, kind of transcends all the way throughout the team. I think that's the way it is at every position. Everybody just wants to win a championship, regardless of what it means. Their role is on the team as long as they have one. You know, I think that's uh, something that this coaching staff has done very well at is making everybody feel important. And I think, uh, you know, that's it transfers into game day. And, I mean, you see it on the sideline, every goal, everybody's getting jacked up, every save, everybody's screaming for Bob or me or whoever it is in there. So uh, I think it's a mindset on the team that's, you know, very successful and it's leading to wins.
1: And that really seems to have kept you guys, um, you know, made, made your ability to come back after tough losses, and I think that's really the important thing that has turned around your season. Um, Dominic, I have a couple <clears throat> quick-hit questions for you. Um, they're just basically uh, one or the other. Just want to get your take on it, just have a little bit of fun. So your first one is a Chipotle or a Pita Pit?
2: Oh, Chipotle, absolutely.
1: <laughs> um, varsity or Cosmos?
2: Ooh, Cosmos. I think Cosmos is a better breakfast, and they've got really good wings.
1: Video games or Hunger Games?
2: Uh, I've never really gotten into the Hunger Games, so I guess i got to go video games.
1: I, I know we talked about this before the show, but favorite mispronunciation of your last name?
2: Oh, man. I mean, there's so many. I've, I've had a Z thrown in there at places. I mean, I've, I've heen, seen a couple double R's. Uh, I'm definitely going to say Lamo Lanaza was, <laughs> uh, was one of the weirdest ones that I've ever seen. It sounded like pizza at the end, so yeah, that was, that was a weird one.
1: I'm just glad I got your last name at least somewhat in the vicinity of being correct. La Molinara, right? That's perfect. Okay, good. Um, and last one for you, most embarrassing song on your iPod?
2: Ooh, uh, I think it's got to be A Thousand Shifts by Rachel Patton.
1: Okay, that's pretty embarrassing. Well, thanks for your honesty on that one. Yeah. And uh, Dominic, thanks so much for coming on today. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll speak with you soon. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure to talk to Dominic lamolla Uh I'm glad I didn't botch his last name too badly, and uh, obviously we're wishing him the best of luck as uh, they play number one Cornell next week. I'm now joined over the phone by my very good friend and the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today?
3: I'm doing well, Wes. Thank you.
1: You know, Brad, since we last spoke, Tyler Ennis made the decision to leave Syracuse and go to the NBA. Do you think that was a good
3: decision for him? I think there's about seven million reasons why it was a (laughs) good decision, and that's the uh, 2013-14 NBA rookie pay scale. He projects to be maybe a top nine, top ten pick. I've always been an advocate that if a player is ready to go and the scouts are telling him to go and he's working out with specialists that are getting his body in shape and improving his athletic ability, then he should go to the pro because – you never know what is going to happen in the future when the money is on the table now. So while I know Jim Beheim in an ESPN interview on Friday thought that Tyler Ennis should have stayed for another year at Syracuse to get stronger and a little bit you know, more physical, I, I think he's ready. Right. I-, I said that way back in December when they beat Bill Villanova in that non-conference game. To me, he looked like he was a sure thing to go to the NBA And I think it's the right thing. I really do. I think he's just going to continue to improve in private workouts. He's going to get stronger for all the individual workouts with the teams. So by the time the NBA draft comes around in June, he's not going to be the player that finished against Dayton in the NCAA tournament. I think it's a good move.
1: And I guess Beheim. You know, he has a reputation of telling it how it is, and he's not going to sugarcoat things. And there's no question that Ennis needs to get stronger, and there's no question that he needs to improve his outside shot. And I think those are things that he could have worked on had he returned for a sophomore year. That isn't to say that Beheim was trying to torpedo him because Beheim, people are kind of cherry-picking from that interview. Beheim did say that Ennis is going to have a long, successful career in the NBA, but he does think that he should have stayed that second year, and I, I think people are kind of cherry-picking the quotes they want to cherry-pick on.
3: It's splitting hairs. I mean, he's going to get better no matter if he came back to college or not. He's going to be a better player by the time he's in the NBA summer games this summer and by the time training camp rolls around in the fall. And again, the money's going to be there. You never know what's going to happen in the future. So I say grab the money while it's on the table.
1: Now, there's a different situation at Syracuse with Jeremy Grant because... You know, Tyler Ennis is projected as a top, like you just said, a top nine, top ten pick. Jeremy Grant could put his name into the NBA ring, and he's projected to be more of a mid to late first round pick. Brad, if you're Jeremy Grant, do you jump to the NBA?
3: I think in that case, you stay the extra year because. As you said, I think there's similarities to what C.J. Fair and his family uh, investigated a year ago. And let's face it, the Grant family knows the NBA you know, better than the, the, your average college athletic <laughs> family. So I think they're going to do their proper investigation. They're going to talk to the uh, all the pertinent people, the scouts, the coaches, et cetera. And because of where his draft standing is, as you mentioned, I think you're going to see him come back for another season so that he can get into the top ten next year.
1: And I think there's several reasons—I I agree, Brad—and there's several reasons that I also want to point out that uh, why Jeremy Grant should stay. One, because he's going to be the featured player on offense the way that C.J. Fair was the featured player on offense. He's going to have another year to improve his jumper, to work on his strength. But also it's, it's a matter of attrition because this year's draft sta- uh, class is completely loaded. You have um, so many great players that are coming out. And even j- whether or not Jabari Parker stays or leaves, there's still going to be so many players. And if he stays one more year, the class next year is going to be weaker. So I think if he stays a year, he becomes more of a featured player. He gets more of a chance to work on his jumper. And he'll actually probably be a lottery pick when he comes out um, after his junior year. At least that's what I think.
3: That, and I totally agree, Wes. That in addition, he's got a pretty good shot maybe to lead Syracuse a lot further in the NCAA tournament next year than this year, and nothing bad happens the longer you lead your team in the NCAA tournament.
1: Brad, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about the lacrosse team because they're really starting to pick things up again, especially in that dramatic win over Notre Dame. Do you think it's too little too late for this team, or do you think there's enough time to turn it around, And really make a deep push in the NCAA tournament.
3: I think there's plenty of time to turn it around. And I kind of equate the Syracuse lacrosse team with the Kentucky basketball team. (laughs) Both were preseason ranked number one or number two. Both struggled early in the year, but both now are seemingly playing their best ball at the right time of the year. And I think it's the same thing for the Syracuse lacrosse team. And not only that, they have a perfect schedule set up now to continue the trend they've been on beside the Notre Dame upset win and then beating Binghamton this week, Uh, now with a rare weekend off this coming weekend, getting ready for a number one-slash-two undefeated Cornell. So what an opportunity to knock off a team like Cornell next week in Ithaca, and then the key final ACC game against North Carolina uh, in the Dome, a chance to win that second ACC game. So everything's on the table for Syracuse lacrosse. They've only lost three games. So I think it's all there for them to not only get an at-large bid in the tournament, but really to make some noise in the NCAA.
1: What do you think has been the biggest improvement from this team since that 21-7 loss at Duke? Because, you know, everyone points at the face-offs, and I do think Chris Daddio has done a lot better job, especially in that Notre Dame game and after the first quarter against Binghamton. But are you seeing improvements in other areas? And you can also include, of course, face-offs in that.
3: Well, I, I definitely think the defense. There are a couple of younger players that have gotten in the mix that the, that the coaching staff has, uh, you know, experimented with. I certainly think the defense. You have the solid goalie play that you talked to Dom about earlier in the podcast, and I, I also think that the team got together. The seniors got everyone together and said, "We're Syracuse Lacrosse. <laughs> so Twenty-one to seven, simply unacceptable for this kind of program." And I think everything is just starting to settle because. Steady enough face-off play, little improvement in the, in the defense, enough scoring. You know, I think that the offensive weapons are there, and then steady goalie play. So I think uh, everything is looking up for this team as it heads down the stretch here the final month.
1: Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts?
3: Well, it's another off season from SU basketball and another— uh, uh, speculation and questions surrounding assistant coach Mike Hopkins: Will he stay? Will he go? Well, I tell you Wes, I really like to kind of see this. And after each basketball season, all of us wondering if Mike Hopkins will stay or go. It'd be great if he and Coach Beheim could somehow uh, plan something for the future. Don't know if that will happen, but just always thinking of Coach Hop because we all know he's the successor to Coach Beheim, and just always intrigued if he's going to stay. Syracuse uh, assistant coach right to the head coaching job, or if there's going to be a job, it's the right one for him to get the experience he needs before succeeding Jim Boeheim. Just marveling over what happens each offseason with Mike Hopkins.
1: I'm personally very relieved for him, too, that he did not take the B.C. job because I think him staying at Syracuse is a much better option. Agreed. Uh, my closing thoughts are on Carmelo Anthony and the New York Knicks. Uh, they trounced the Nets on Wednesday, 110-81, to and that coupled with an Atlanta Hawks loss, that puts them eighth in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, Brad, the reality is that this team isn't going anywhere, but it's nice to see Carmelo leading his team and leading them back into the playoffs, hopefully. So kudos to him. That's You never
3: it. know, right? Just get into the playoffs. Anything
1: can happen. <laughs> That's right. That's it for us. For Brad Bierman, this is Wes Chang reminding you that I wonder if illiterate people get the full effect of alphabet soup. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time.